That's the key takeaway. And everyone needs to make peace with that. It's a huge story. And it's one that is very creative and very exciting and very powerful and majestic and beautiful. The human is now re-emerging. I don't think anyone can watch this and not feel uplifted. It was the rage that comes from a young person once they realize they're born into a matrix and this is not what the soul wants or needs. We're going to arrive at absolute pitch blackness. We took a backward somersault into the void. Why would we do such a thing? I would say we are in a world that is about to erupt into extraordinary wellness at the, at the level of the biosphere precisely because of the existential threat that has been permitted um, generationally, cyclically, um, during our galactic sleep cycle. I am delighted to introduce to the Live Love Learn podcast a new guest today, Sasha Stone. And today, Sasha and I are going to be talking about how we create a new earth. So let me introduce Sasha to you. Sasha is an activist, public speaker, publisher, writer, and filmmaker. He's a former rock musician and artist growing up in Rhodesia, Zimbabwe throughout the war for independence. Sasha established Humanitad in 1999 as worked across both the NGO and IGO sectors as an outspoken advocate of human rights and natural justice. Sasha has instigated peace initiatives and education programs, lobbied against human rights abuses in different parts of the globe, and continues to prosecute for the protection of vanguard innovators, scientists, and doctors. Sasha is the founder of the World Health Sovereignty Summit, with many of the world's leading advocates in the sector, including Robert Kennedy Jr., Del Bigtree, G. Edward Griffin, Professor Dolores Cahill, Dr. Christiane Northrop, Marla Maples, Charlene Bollinger, Dr. Rashid Butler, Dr. Sherry Tempany, Andrew Wakefield, Dr. David Martin, to name but a few. So today we had a really fascinating discussion about how we create a new world, what belief systems we hold and how these affect our reality and how we can connect to our intuition and knowing. I love this conversation with Sasha. I hope you do too. And if it resonates with you, please do feel free to share with friends, with like-minded people, and please do leave feedback on whatever platform you're listening to this on. Thank you so much. Enjoy. Right. I am delighted to be here on my channel today, long overdue, because someone I've wanted to speak to for absolutely ages with Sasha Stone. Now, Sasha, I don't normally do too many introductions for people now because I do believe actions speak louder than words. But I love your Wikipedia, your Wikipedia introduction, which says you're a conspiracy theorist and a new age influencer. So <laughs> guilty, guilty as charged, happily so. That's what I thought. I thought, well, first and foremost, thank you so much for coming on. How are you doing? Because I know you've been very busy um, all over the place. Very good. Thank you. I'm, I'm um, broadcasting here from a kitchen in a finca on a hilltop in the Algarve in, in Portugal, um, lent to me because it's the only finca in the district that has anything like high-speed internet. So I'm very grateful that it's been lent to me by family friends. But uh, otherwise, I would be um, at my family um, place, which is um, definitely, I wouldn't be able to get any kind of internet connection there because uh, we live out in the in the bush in, in Portugal, but very happy to be with you um, from sunny Portugal. Beautiful day here today. And I, I will just say on the, the theory thing, the conspiracy, I've not read my uh, Wikipedia um, um, entry and I, I, I dare say it would make me apoplectic if I did. So it's probably best that I don't. But um, but as far as theorist is concerned, it's true. I mean, we we judge and gauge all of our popular and modern contemporaneous science by something called the theory of relativity, which mm. the theory is the thing. Um, so yes, I am a conspiracy theorist in as much as one theorizes the fact of the matter. Um, it is a goddamned and godless conspiracy. The whole the whole lot, the whole construct. And fortunately, the world is now waking up to that fact. 
it is slowly but surely a bit too slowly for a lot of our liking but you know I saw you on your platform um with David Icke and you know compared to what he's been through he's pleased with the speed of it so it's all relative um what's for, foremost in your attention at the moment because you're always so informed about so many different areas but what are you really concentrating most of your effort right here right now on Hard uh, biological um, science and uh, so-called medical science is my uh, critical focus right now. And I, I pledged uh, a couple of years ago at the onset of uh, this COVIDiacy, I did pledge that that's where my attention would go when it became um, crystal clear that the um, that the mRNA intervention of our genus of, of humanity was really the, the bottom line. And that intervention has to be counted, had to be counted. And that's my focus. And I'm very satisfied now, almost three years into this, that we can and will be countering the mRNA intervention where it matters most. I'm satisfied, absolutely in my own mind, we can do it. Uh, whereas I wasn't satisfied or I didn't know, know that hard science a year ago, two years ago, because it wasn't with us. Um, I knew about the um, satanic interventionism. I knew about the weaponization of the biosphere. I called attention to that in 2019 when I um, convened the World Health Sovereignty Summit in Asia with uh, dozens of the world's leading scientists and doctors and um, advocates uh, for health sovereignty. So the World Health Sovereignty Summit screeched about, um, and I convened that and wrote the script to, to that um, summit, meaning to say I, I cherry-picked the, the scientists and doctors who came from around the world. And then we did the Judicial Commission of Inquiry into weaponization of the biosphere. And this was all about oof, about 20 odd weeks before the Wuhan outbreak. So it was yeah. really close to call, but we were right. We were on it. We were talking about vaccines. We were talking about geoengineering. We were talking about infusing the world's water supply and air, air, air and uh, food supply with the glyphosates and and all the rest of the chemical compounds that lead to a complete um, um, breakdown of living systems at the molecular and um, atomic and biological level. And then, of course, we see with the onset of the um, quote unquote mandatory vaccination program, which was a colossal globalist exercise in exercising that Saturnian control through um, the portals of government and the multilateral institutions and every public health administration um, apparatus in the world all, you know, lockstepped um, into that satanic agenda. And one could see it, even the most disbelieving people who were very against folks like me started to see that this was and is indeed a global conspiracy. And the ones that couldn't see it and can't see it have either perished or are well on the way to perishing right now because they have volunteered themselves up for harvest and have uh, offered up their shoulders to um, multiple injections and um, boostings. So it's a self kind of writing um, algorithm in a sense that is yeah. about a, a mass bifurcation of the idiot from the actualized. And sorry to speak in those blunt terms, but that's absolutely categorically what it comes down to. I've got to agree with you and introducing a bit of humour. One of the best things I've seen over the last week was a Ricky Gervais clip. And he was talking about how ridiculous referendums are because how stupid most people are. And he used the example that they still have to put on a bottle of bleach, do not drink. So he said the best thing to do is take the label off the bottle of bleach yeah. put it on the market for two years and then take the referendum which well indeed <laughs> and if 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 he is one of those who who um offered his uh arm up to moloch for the vaccination program then he should be the first to gargle on the bleach and no disrespect we all love ricky but um one suspects that he m might well be you know at the vanguard of that liberal intellectual yeah. idiocy itself so there is a crushing irony there it is. And this is what I love. We're seeing these ironies come up. And it's something I've heard you talk about quite a lot. I mean, going back to how long this has been going on long before the ridiculous COVID industry. I work in holistic health. I'm a biologist, but work mainly with animals because I prefer them to humans. Um, but, you know, we've been seeing the catastrophic decline in animal health for years. Yeah. 
And of course, they're a very good early warning signal, that, like the old canary in the cage for what's going on with us. And it's been poisoning for years and years and years, but they've ramped it up to a different level. So the fear thing is something that you're very well aware of in terms of how it controls people. And it's a real problem still, isn't it, in terms of how the lack of resilience and the lack of sort of backbone that we're seeing in society, in developed society. I mean, what have you got any ideas? What can be done about this? Because well, I, I think, yes, I think I think it's a good question. And I think it's a universal and generic answer, which is that fear is um, is shadow. Shadow is the absence of relationship with self. And the absence of relationship with self means to say the absence of self-awareness. So it really, it's a singular um, conversation that one needs to take up with oneself. If we're genuinely concerned about that question, which you are and I am and we are, then we need to take the conversation uh, to the mirror, sit mm-hmm. with ourselves and, and have the reckoning at that singular uh, level, relationship with self. Am I standing in truth? with self? That's a question I put to myself in the mirror. Am I standing in truth? Am I conducting right action? Am I uh, actualizing in the living moment? Am I courageous enough to pull away the filters uh, and the programming and to step into the now with self? Which is to say, am I able to cohere uh, perfectly with my conscience, with my God-given conscience? and get back into this blood song, get back into the coherence of the blood song. If I am able to be in this living actualized moment and convene relationship with self, it means that my conscience will be actualized fully, which is to say the flame of coherence between me and God becomes the same quanta. There is no Catholic church in between. There is no fucking government in between. There is no no prince or pope or public health administrator or Gestapo or teacher or doctor. There is nothing standing between me and God. That is the true relationship. And that is the, the immanent, the immanence, the immanent relationship that we are all of us born to reckon and to realize in this temporal existence. Once we've done that and actualized that relationship, that flame of coherence with the Atman, with God, with the Godhead, so to speak, and and then become a living exemplar of this great um, idol called unity consciousness, which we all pretend at in our intellectual acrobats, but how many of us actually step into that coherence and have the balls and the presence of mind to have that reckoning with ourselves. And you see, this is the rub. The reckoning with self in that perfect mirror pool of the reflection of in the now is where we disarm any capacity for shadow, any capacity for the emergence of shadow. We were standing now directly beneath central sun in the relationship of self and God. And there is we, we cast no shadow because we are directly under that central sun of pure truth and right action. That's a powerful and majestic and Christed mantle that we must now assume. Every single son and daughter of God has got to uh, enact and engage that reckoning now. I, if we want to look in terms of time, I would say we've got two years. We've got two temporal years between now and midsummer 2025 for that exercise in reckoning and coherence with pure conscience and pure relationship with God. Because if we're stepping out of that relationship and if we are negotiating and blurring the edges of that line and we're negotiating conscience, we will indubitably be tripped up and pulled into the vortex of the Luciferic, of the false light. So it's a very hard um, science that we're about to live through because it's the science of pure polarized bifurcation. You are either resonating at frequency X and above, or you are not. And if you, frequency X incidentally defines the quanta of so-called love in the actualized human heart. 
And each of us are going to be met with that reckoning now. This is the Ju Jupiterian and Saturnian reality, which is going to befall the whole of humanity in the next couple of years. And quite rightly, because that's how the meek inherit the earth, is once we have convened um, to that flame, that Christed mantle, and that creates an upflaming at the collective morphogenetic level. That's what activates the so-called newosphere, and that's what brings this not just this plane of existence into the so-called ascension spiral, but it also brings with it the redemption, the absolution, and the salvation for all living systems in this temporal universe. We are, the angelic human is the atom seed of creation, and we better fucking wake up to that now. It's a beautiful thing. I just wanted to say that today's episode is sponsored by ASEA redox signaling molecules. Now, it comes in two forms, the liquid, and the gel, plus there's a huge other product range for us. Um, but why did I start taking ASEA and why is it now an integral part of something that my whole family, both four-legged and two-legged, take every single day, plus also something that all the clients I work with, again, four-legged and two-legged, it's number one on my priority list. Well, Part of what I do, what I'm passionate about, is understanding the challenges that are affecting each and every one of us in today's modern living. Um, the more you know, the more sometimes you wish you didn't know, but the pollution in the air, in the water, in the food, um, the control of our minds, the propaganda. But one of the things that we can do is take back responsibility for our own health. Now, every single cell of our body, whether we're an animal, whether we're one of the dogs in the backgrounds or one of my plants, contain these redox signaling molecules. And cellular health and cellular communication is absolutely key, whether you want to get your body back in balance, whether you want to reverse the aging process, whether you want to address any particular challenges that you've got physically, emotionally, it all starts with healthy cells. If your liver cells are healthy, your liver's healthy. If your brain cells are healthy, your brain's healthy. But just like a mobile phone, most of us have got mobile phones that we, we use on a routine basis now. But that mobile phone, regardless of whether you've got the latest model, is completely useless without a signal. So what does this technology do? Um, the the gel is something that you can apply topically over particular areas of concern, whether you want your skin to look better, whether you've got cellulite, whether you've got an area that's causing you a challenge. The liquid is something you drink each and every day to top up what should be in your cells anyway. But when our bodies are stressed, diseased, challenged, or as we age, we make less of them. So personally, I wouldn't be without it. My sleep's better. My energy levels are better. My mood's better. My mobility's better. If you want to find out more, the details are below. But I'm so grateful that this came into my life. And I'm so grateful I can share it with others. I hope you love it as much as I do. Let me know. Yeah, here, here. What? In terms of your own personal journey over the last few years, are there some belief systems that you had held strongly that you've changed? Wow, a great question for me. Uh, I've not been asked it. Um, wow, challenging. Um, off, off, the, off the bat, the short answer is no. I think I've had a, a pretty good... Um, general sense of, of of spiritual equilibrium since about the age of 17 18 when i when i really in my own life overcame any demonic intervention and that was very real between the ages of i can't remember exactly but about the age of nine between nine and 18 those years uh, which is about i think about an eight nine year period I was subjected to tremendous psychic assault and um, and what I now know to have been uh, the tremendous attempts at demonic intervention in my own journey and my own life. And now I understand the importance of that as well. It was horrific to go through and to live through, but um, but that set the standard for me in a sense and set the metric of my life. And what I've done subsequent to that is essentially just continue to define that metric or refine, should I say, that metric. Uh, and to also, um, um, and to, to decomplexify it as well, because when we are in our late teens and certainly into our twenties, we have this 
um, very human tendency to um, complexify everything and to dramatize and sensationalize our lives, our reality, our stories, our family, our journey into this great big cosmic you know, conundrum. And then, of course, it tends to crush us um, or we're smart enough at a given point to just release it, let go of the story and step into our adulthood. Um, so I, I didn't get crushed by that complexity. I, I I'm started to unwind it from a young age. And what it's moved in the last 30 years toward is to this incredibly simple, almost dogmatic living principle um, of what I call pure truth and right action in the in the living moment is the path of least resistance to the highest outcome. And we are always looking for the path of least resistance to the highest outcome, even if we're Henry Kissinger or Hillary Clinton. Uh, you just have to define high outcome um, to Kissinger. It's likely to be global depopulation. Uh, to you and I, it's, it's something very different. But the point is uh, pure truth and right action are the path of least resistance to, to the highest outcome always in all ways. We all want to move into coherence with the divine. We all want to um, meet, to be relevant. We want our lives to be relevant. We don't want to have suffered and been caught into the wheel of samsara, um, of dharma and karma and suffrage for it to amount to nothing and to mean nothing. What a godless idea with that notion is that that we can suffer so much in the course of a life, but it actually meant nothing. That is awful. And in the truest sense of the word awful, and none of us want that. So if we're looking for relevancy, um, then we need to simply simplify the complexity that we have a tendency to construct and bring it down to brass tack to a singularity, which is going to be you right here, right now, and to what extent are you actualized or not? So much for everyone to think about that. And it keeps coming back to the same old principles, doesn't it? There's so much projection that goes on with everyone. And there's such an addiction to drama for people because that's just a displacement, in my opinion, to doing this inner work and really looking at what your actions are. Yes, always. Uh, all, but that, that, that's the language of shadow and obfuscation and the, the opaque language of negotiating that, that emerges when we negotiate a, a conscience mm. and we don't stand directly beneath that central sun of, of pure conscience, which is to say pure consciousness. And pure consciousness is consciousness in action, which is what the word yoga actually means for all of those would be yoga and yogini fiends out there pretending at breath work and pretending at yoga and pretending at meditation and pretending at spiritual mysticism and uh, these various abstruse disciplines like you know whatever they may be god knows there's a lot of them about but they're all variously connected to the language of obfuscation because when you are in that state of grace which is to say coherence with the actualized self, which is to say Atman, the living principle of God and not the totem, not the word, not the name, not the idea of Jesus, the master, not the idea of the savior Christ, not the idea of Lord Buddha or of a prophet Mohammed, peace upon him, not the idea of God, but the living principle, the living gospel made flesh, which, which is you and me in the now, provided we own it. That's coherence. Everything outside of that seeks um, seeks identification because it hasn't found identity. And so it then extrapolates and, and constructs and construes all sorts of mystical and uh, mythic um, and esoteric nonsense, which can become fascinating, like Kabbalah is fascinating. Mm. Um, you know, the, the poetry of Rumi is fascinating. Um, you know, Christian... Um, mysticism is fascinating they're all fascinating but they're not the thing and they don't bring us to the thing invariably invariably it is only a, an absolute release and relinquishing of the dogma um, that we are able to find pure truth but that's a hard piece of medicine for any good christian or good muslim or good buddhist to understand because they have in a sense um 
permitted themselves to become spellbonded into the tradition, the cultural traditional, the mystical tradition of that religious order, which is a whole bunch of systems and um, methodologies and techniques and technologies. And that becomes an indentureship. It becomes a cage system. It becomes its own form of matrix. And that's what we're now seeking to escape from at the collective level. We want to escape from Christian idolatry, Muslim idolatry, Buddhist idolatry, and so on. But we haven't quite managed to cogitate that fact. When we do and relinquish religious idolatry, that is where we upflame into the Christed or the Bodhisattva or the, you know, the emancipated um, uh, human will come about. And that'll happen at the collective level, to be sure, in our lifetimes. But there's a fair bit of work that needs to be done yet, to be sure. There is. There certainly is. I mean, oh, I don't know. It's, it's Us humans are bloody frustrating at times, aren't we? We really are. I mean, with all the work that you've been doing and for your earlier journey, have you got certain, you know, practices, things that have really worked for you um, in terms of how you live your daily life? Um, so I don't do any uh, discipline uh, whatsoever. Um, I, I've never meditated um, for one moment in my life and I've never um, said a prayer. What I've done is... Um, enjoined relationship with the um with the living principle that i understood at a very young age and by young age i, I would even go back as far as 11 or 12 as certainly when i was nine and started being hit with um um psychic uh, attacks and and ghastly experiences that really threw me off my center and rendered me a bit of an idiot. I mean, I was hardly able to walk across the room without genuflecting and twitching and, and being very weird. So I was put under some kind of um, quasi-government observation, even at, at, at a young age, my mother told me later in life. Um, I wondered why they, every six months they'd come to the schools and pluck me out, these men in black, and ask me questions and get me to do riddles and things. But uh, so I was under some kind of observance uh, at, at when I was being schooled because of the weirdness I was clearly smart enough to pass all the tests with flying colors but there was something very weird and aberrant about my demeanor about my nature but that was just me working out trying to work out um, from an angelic seeded perspective a very fucked up world I was born into a war in, in sub-saharan Africa you know very weird circumstances and um, very aberrant um circumstances uh, for any angelic child and we're all yeah. angelic children you know being born into the world so and and super sensitive at that um none that so that the aberrations came out in my in my character my not my character but in my uh my mannerisms and that became a, a, a bit of an oddity growing up but i managed to shake uh that off in, in the fullness of time but not through any discipline or or practice other than um as i alluded a moment ago a, a recognition that um that a relationship my relationship with the you know the the, the saint germain master kutumi the, the master jesus um lord buddha you know um ganesha it, it didn't matter all of these these um hallowed um, icons, in a sense, were were a way, were a, a sort of stepping stone or a lily pad toward um, reconvention of relationship with God. And so I was, I think, smart enough um, at a very young age to recognize that it was the living principle and not the totem. Mm. It wasn't the picture of Jesus. Never believed in that from a young age. I'm glad that in my middle age, I now recognize that Jesus was almost certainly. Um, uh, an unattractive creature with a, with a, a you know stooping creature with crooked teeth and um, um, ruddy you know Mediterranean complexion and frizzled black hair and um, nothing like the depiction of the very beautiful Cesar Borgia yeah um, who you know infiltrated uh, Christianity through you know blah blah blah. All of that, so that that totemism, iconoclasticism, idolatry that perfectly, um, perfectly um, illustrates the Roman Catholic Church, which is to say, 
the status quo today, which is all the issue and the preserve of the Roman Catholic Church. Every government, whether you're talking Botswana or you're talking um, um, Burkina Faso or Burma or uh, Alaska, it doesn't matter. Every single government, municipal and federal um, or multilateral are all the issue and the preserve of the Roman Catholic Church, which is predicated on ritual sacrifice and bad mathematics. Mm -hmm. um, dec decimal uh, points, decimation, you know, the culling of the 10th soldier because they failed at, you know, at war. All of that blood cult stuff is encoded in the source code of government and which is the high streets, which is predicated on so-called market, um, free, free market economics, capitalism, which is the same thing as communism. Ultimately, they become exactly the same thing, um, which is cultural Marxism, which is basically humans being enslaved and controlled by invisible masters, which is what the Roman Catholic Church was always about. So if we remove, and this is getting to the end of the answer to your question, if we remove the the idolatry element of our religious adherence and step back into what I was smart enough as a kid to even know at the age of 10 or 11, which is that the living principle is where the relationship is to be had, not with the totem or the rosary beads or the Catholic crucifix. It is with the living principle. That is the living gospel. That is precisely what the message of the master Yeshua was and is and remains. And it's the same critical message of all of the true mystical traditions and so-called great faiths. They are all the same, you know, and we have to convene that relationship uh, with self through however we find it. I didn't yeah. a discipline or a technique to answer your question outside of full, unfiltered, unfettered expression of creative affirmation. So for me, after I left Africa and became um, um, essentially a refugee in, in, in Europe at the age of, I can't remember, 17-ish. And for a number of years, I think eight or nine years, was, um, which was, I was without a passport and without a, um, didn't have any country. You know, I was, you know, I was stateless mm. and caught in the crack of life, um, caught in the crack of the pavement of life, should I say. And that was just the way it was. So for me, that was a perfect foment period of time in my life, late teens into early 20s, where I was picking up a guitar and going into the rock and roll primal scream thing, which was my, which was my fuck you to the establishment. It was my primal scream. It was the rage that comes from a young person once they realize they're born into a matrix and this is not what the soul wants or needs. And we either get pulled into the Roman Catholic government-sponsored um, drug thing and alcohol thing, which is the mind control thing or the pharmaceutical uh, drug thing. We get pulled into mind control uh, and early dementia um, and pacifism through drugs and alcohol or medications, or we do the opposite. I've never touched uh, alcohol in my life. I've never puffed marijuana, I never chewed a magic mushroom. I have no relationship with any of that. Um, I've got huge respect, incidentally, for yeah. earth medicines and for marijuana, which I love the smell of, but I have no personal relationship with anything outside of pure, um, absolute clarity, so to speak, you know. Uh, so my technique, to answer your question, the only technique you could allude to is absolute sobriety. <laughs> yeah, and that's one we a lot of us could learn. I mean, in all seriousness, I've given up alcohol for the last few um, months. I didn't drink a lot, but it's made a huge difference already. And I think, you know, people have got to question everything in their lives. Um, I mean, one of the other things that links into this, Sasha, and I, I heard you touch on this at your weekend broadcast, is there's so much evil and it's so difficult for so many people to discern who the real evil ones are. You know, there's so much talk of controlled opposition, so distraction. How have you, do you have you learned to le rely on your intuition, research, combination of the uh, both? But how do you determine who you can trust in your life? So again, great question. And with great love and, and respect, um, I'll remind you of what you know at your 
core, which is that there is no such thing as evil um, in, 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 in truth. Uh, the, the so-called evil only exists, again, as a counterpoint to the degree to which you and I and we collectively have abdicated and abnegated our life force and our um, um, angelic expression incarnationally, generationally, civilizationally, cyclically. So we are the ones who um, surrender and abnegate our true majesty, our true power in the course of a lifetime. That unresolved um, life force is pushed up, so to speak, into the ethers and is parked into the ethers. It creates a kind of incoherent nesting at the subatomic level of the geometry of reality. And that um, confluence of bad geometry, of unresolved, unutilized life force, becomes a, a buildup and becomes what we could loosely call the egregore, a kind of um, lower elemental, lower astral kind of um, bandwidth of unresolved um, um, expression that um, will become a kind of a fractal antenna and mirror and amplifier for um, temporal ideas. So a bad king, a bad pope, a bad uh, Babylonian wizard or ritual Satanist can make use of the egregore energy or a good warlock, a good witch, a good, um, you know, a good uh, wizard could do similarly. Good humans can also to some extent, make use of that utility of the egregore. I mean, Jesus, the master who was breaking loaves of bread purportedly and, and um, you know, feeding fish and loaves uh, to the masses was, in a sense, uh, riding on uh, egregore. And, and the egregore becomes this kind of confluence of collective uh, idiocy and unresolved life force. When every man, woman uh, on earth becomes a... a a son and daughter of God and steps into their actualized Christed um, state of grace, then of course there's no need. We dissipate the egregore. The egregore, this, this kind of energy field, um, which is the prison, it is the matrix in that sense, is there to serve us. And yes, it accretes into events and circumstances and even personalities, um, which are, you could call evil. But we just have to recognize the foundational fact that there is no evil truly that exists outside of self and of the part that we've played in um, the construct of so-called reality. So that being said, the question becomes, how do we disidentify individually from this idea of evil? Yeah. Because even the idea is feeding, we're feeding it with the idea of good and evil, which is why the great um, um, Friedrich Nietzsche, uh, the great philosopher, who's been very abused and disabused over the over the generations, was was absolutely right when he wrote about you know beyond good and evil. That is where the angelic is to be found. That is where God is to be found. Uh, the, again, a Sufi poetry is a perfect exemplar of that. When we stand on the indivisible line of polarity and binary logic and duality, that indivisible line. If we can find our center standing perfectly on that indivisible line between night and day, um, yin and yang, and this is not to say um, to buy into the Molochite notion of transgenderism, yeah. that there's a very, you see that they're using, the Luciferic is using that, that notion uh, to, to blend the hemispheres and create a homogenized drone class uh, humanoid. So that's, that's bad alchemy. But the, the good alchemy is to find your state of grace in this polarized dualistic universe. And in that inner sense of equilibrium and state of grace, remain on that indivisible line in life. With, with This is what the throne of Solomon and the uh, Solomon's judgment is all about, is each of us being able to hold our center of grace and not cast a stone for good or for ill. You just don't judge anything. You can see what's what, but you don't judge or condemn because you recognize in the state of grace that everything is perfect always and always. And, and in that knowing, you can put ideas into the field that can manifest into positive outcomes and you can be the custodian of the sheep. We become the shepherd in that state of grace. So we do create a better outcome, a better world. But the point is that we have to, we have to step back from condemnation and and judgment and and because polarized thinking 
is what leads to casting stones and judgment. And casting stones and judgment leads to battles and wars and this ongoing conflict. We never get out of that cycle, you know. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. And it's been one of the things that's been most disappointing to me is to see, you know, social media feeds this behavior in a lot of ways and to see how people on both sides, on all sides, on all levels of awakening, whatever you want to call it, are still very much caught in that judgment trap. Right. Right. And, and it's hard, trust me. I mean, I'm not pretending I don't judge some people right. do. But, you know, at least when you start to recognise it and catch it a lot earlier, that's you, you're on the way to the right way. Well, of well you, you raised the spectre of, of e evil masters. And so let's look at that momentarily, yeah. because, yes, we do have um we do have the so-called watchers we do have the invisible mastery uh, or masters that that do exist and uh, are these um zeta reticulan kind of um alien gray uh, creatures yes to some great extent that's exactly what they are although they are really the utility of the watchers and the and the invisible masters so you would have to move through that uh reactionism toward the extraterrestrial the alien gray they are servant class so let's move beyond them to the draconian reptilian uh element which is codified in human dna and in all of this um, um binarized and dualistic creation exercise that we live in it's all also connected to um the draconian dna and that infiltration of the angelic human. And we we can keep going deeper and deeper into that. What are we going to arrive at? We're going to arrive at absolute pitch blackness. We're going to arrive at the void, at the great abyss, ultimately. The great abyss, which is a cosmic scream. And it's there. What is that? That is the contrast to the godhead it's the contrast it is a highly compartmentalized area or theater let's call it the void within which this universe exists or a refraction of this universe exists if you understand the mm. holographic nature of reality so there's a void it self exists it self-reveals it self-manifests self-fulfills it, it does everything internally and we, as the angelics, fall from grace, or did we fall from grace, or did we dive from grace? We dived, we dove, if that's a word. We did a backward somersault. We are that gracious and that noble and that courageous. Sons and daughters of God, we splintered off the Godhead. We took a backward somersault into the void. Why would we do such a thing? Because it is the seeding into the void of the angelic that manifests ultimately the fabric of soul and continues the process of creation. We are one and the same as our creator. We are avatars of the Godhead. We are participating in creation. It is how the, the fabric of soul emerges and is forged on the call in the cauldron of creation. This void is the is the womb of creation in that sense. The draconian lizards and the zeta reticulan alien greys and the mischievous sprites of the, you know, Orion and Syrian and Venusian complexes are all parts of the symphony of cosmic cosmogenesis of, of our galactic DNA story. Only in this seeding, there have been multiple seedings and we go yeah. back 930 plus billion years by greatest accounts that I'm aware of. So it's a huge story and it's one that is very creative and very exciting and very powerful and majestic and beautiful. The point I'm making is that the human is now re-emerging at the end of a long galactic sleep in this particular sleep cycle that we've been through. And we're emerging from that fitful sleep. And we are in the state now of remembrance of the majesty of our true nature that we are sons and daughters of God. We are the highest avatar in creation. We took that backward dive. Mm -hmm. We did not fall. The, the great fall is a goddamn lie. 
There was no fall from grace. How could there be? Think about it. Well, it's another, way, it's another way of just getting us away from taking accountability, isn't it? Yes, it is. If you, yes, told, if you choose to do a backflip off, it's your choice. And you you know there's some cost benefit reward. But if you fall, you can just blame it on someone else, can't you? That's right. And you know from looking around in your own ecosystem, as I do, that the most re reactivist and reductionist Christians in our field are the ones who get very, very angry when we break away from anything connected to the so-called scripture. And that blessed idiot class of Christian a, are idolaters, they are not Christians by, by faith as far as I'm concerned, and I'm not dissing them, I'm just yeah. saying it's proven out. They are idolaters, they are, they are spell-bonded idolaters, and that, that's about as far removed from the living gospel as you could possibly get, incidentally, outside of becoming Charles Manson. The, the fact of the matter is, is that that class of Christian is holding fast and true to prescriptions of Babylonian priests, and that's how fundamentalist Christianity and fundamentalist Islam emerged as being the most antithetical principles, now bringing the world in, 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 in some great sense to the verge of calamity. Because that many goodly idiots allowed themselves to be um, subsumed into religious zealotry for good or for, you know, for, for the left or right hand side of the, the hemisphere. Again, Christian Muslim being the or Judeo Christians versus Muslims being the primary um, kind of offset. And that's stuff that we now at the civilizational cultural level have got to just drop altogether. But I don't think we will drop it. I think that um, I think that this bifurcation, this natural shedding, excuse the 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 you know it's it's a, a bit of a yeah in that term, but it is a shedding in a sense of so it's a soul shedding that's taking place as well. And there's a lot of stories connected to that. It doesn't mean that people who are dying are part of that um, negativist element. It's not to say that. It's to say that there are also angelics who are dying every day, who are also choosing to die in order to help lead others. So there are all sorts of different dimensional uh, stories and storylines that exist in, in the shedding of what's taking place or this great harvest of humanity that's underway it's not black and white it's it's profound it's beautiful and it's always perfectly anointed and perfectly appointed in the now that's the key takeaway and everyone needs to make peace with that everyone needs to make peace with the fact that that everything the geometry of now is perfect always in all ways mm -hmm. but one has the power to step into coherence with divinity and create even higher octaves and of expression and even higher outcomes, patterns of perfection, so to speak. Yeah, it, it's so true. It's, it's so true. What, at the moment, right here, right now, what are you most optimistic about and what are you most concerned about? Well, I'm not really concerned about anything. I mean, there's not, there's not, because I am, to the best of my abilities, living in that, uh, that, um, godly principle of the perfect geometry of now is perfect always in all ways as long as one as long as one is not indentured or enslaved to anything outside of actualized self least of all government yeah or the propaganda that comes through media and entertainment and so on so i'm sufficiently um in my that state of grace within my own life that i'm not i can't be swayed there's nothing that I've, I'm, I'm looking right now outside of, um, I'm up in the hills of the Algarve. I can see right from where I am, just cascades of, of flowers and shrubs and trees in full bloom. There are possibly 12 or 15 different colors that I can see um, rolling hills at the middle of summer. It's arid and dry. It's just beautiful. And the air is clear. I don't see geoengineering chemtrails anywhere i don't i see birdsong i see flowers in full bloom i see a, 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 a biosphere which is highly weaponized um in the invisible sense and yet one wonders is it the fact that those diabolical isotope frequencies coming off depleted uranium in the atmosphere and glyphosates and and the bariums and phosphates is is all of that cacophony of evil in the ethers 
actually acting as a catalyst for this world to actually awaken from her sleep mm. and actually go into full bloom? And I would say the answer to that is yes. I would say we are in a world that is about to erupt into extraordinary wellness at the at the level of the biosphere precisely because of the existential threat that has been permitted um, generationally cyclically um, during our galactic sleep cycle and that's what i'm actually seeing with my god-given senses so it's not that i'm wanting that i'm not wishful thinking i'm seeing it if if it was dying the bees wouldn't be there yes the bees are under attack yes all the cross-pollinating insects are under attack Yes, the sky net, the kill grid is an attempt by the Sabbatean, Satanic, Saturnian, Draconian um, elements in our midst to render us into a death cult. Yes, all of those threats exist. Are they winning? Not by a thousand miles. No, it's not winning. It, my senses tell me it's a fail. It's a cosmic fail. So... I'm seeing now that all of that orchestra of evil, to go back to that, that word, has been the very necessary and relevant contrast against which we define the emergence or the re-emergence of the angelic. So let's go forth with that, those patterns of perfection in our mind's eye, and let's embolden those patterns of perfection and bring about ever more embodiment and enactment and manifestation of heaven on earth. It's as simple as that. Here, here. Which leads me nicely on to, I want to hear exactly what you're creating in Mexico. I want to hear all about it. Well, well, that would be my personal um, extrapolation of the um, so-called spiritual philosophy that I've just enumerated here, um, which is about having sufficient or channeling sufficient life force into a high outcome, despite all sorts of treachery. And my God, in the last year, we've been through treachery and gravity, yeah. and we've had uh, ghastly efforts to destabilize and throw and attack and destroy the tap roots of what I'm doing in, in Mexico, but it's failed dismally. And we are on the right foot and things are very beautiful and affirmative. Uh, a number of people lost their footing and lost their way on the early part of the journey and that's fine off you go sayonara and we have uh, a very solid community base now um, we are in the process of generating tremendous revenue uh, generation at the moment and land acquisition and it's good i'm we're about running i'd say about six and a half seven months behind my preferred mm. um model in terms of um hard build but that's all coming and it's all good and i'm very very excited i see mexico as my home as my base right now albeit bali is still um a home and a big operation out there that's still happening it's just that i was not able to i couldn't envision the scale of what i'm doing or what i wanted to do in in asia in indonesia it, it is an islamic country that is a big inhibition and prohibition against certain ideas manifesting in real time um i am uh, received at very high level in indonesia so i have political access and i've got the access of the kings of kings and the sultans and i've got all of the access i need culturally and politically it's just not that's not what it's about it was also about the the rainbow serpents also about the energetics of this earth having shifted from um the aboriginal um dream timing in uh, uluru in in australia in 2020 having moved to this part of the world in in the americas and that seminal seeding point energetically speaking of the new earth so to speak absolutely transferred across to central america uh, i couldn't ignore that because i know enough about prophecy and about sacred number to and have been involved in many of those stories over the last two two decades to know that that's an imperative i had to follow so i did and that led me to where i am which is bacala laguna on the mayan riviera just before you hit belize on that beautiful mayan riviera coastline which is uh, still quite primitivist it's just jungle and um, beautiful expansive skies and lagunas which are just electric turquoise and um and the spirit of the Mayan people, which is so, so 
beautiful and so resonant to this emergence of the new earth. Um, and obviously one has to fight the draconian bullshit of municipal and federal governments, but there's a way and way of doing that. And in the last nine months, uh, myself and my team have learned the craft and the art of that. And we're sitting on top of the game right now. So to answer the question, we're building out a huge um, uh, enterprise and prospect called the New Earth Sanctuary. And um, uh, it keeps getting bigger, I have to say, but we're looking at a minimum of 350 to 500 um, residential homes. Wow. We're situating the New Earth University and the hard campus uh, there and the LifePod Regenesis um, spa retreat centers and clinic and spa and all the stuff I'm doing in, in, in health science is being nested into the R&D facility that we're also building out there. A lot of ceremony, a lot of intercultural interfaith um, and unity consciousness stuff will be um, enacted in that facility. And we're designing it and building it as a repository, as a landing um, space and a cross-fertilization space for all of those ideas to be able to um, multiply and, and accelerate and augment. So it's a, I don't want to get too abstract here, but we're focusing in, a great deal on the geomancy side. We're uh, focusing a great deal on the plasma uh, physics of how you create an arena or a theater for the coming together of the new human. How do you create a space or prime a canvas that becomes the perfect uh, space for that exemplary um, socioeconomic model, socio, forget the word politics, because that's out of the frame. Yeah, we, we have no need for politics anymore in this world. And the whole world has woken up to the fact that's why the graces give us the gibbering sock puppet that is President Joseph Biden. That is a classic example of the complete deconstruction of the idea of politics in Technicolor. And that's a beautiful effigy that we're living with, with that delightful idiot. So once once, and the same thing could be said of that debilitatingly idiotic Pope um, yeah. shuffling around now in a wheelchair, uh, the Jesuit um, come to the front of the Vatican um, uh, complex. So that also effigy is similar to the crown of England. I'd be slightly kinder about the characters or the personalities in England because there's some nice elements to those personalities and characters, but they are godless creatures, all of them. Um, uh, I feel sorry for Harry, uh, for, for William having to go through the motions of being heir, uh, the heir to the throne. I, I feel sorry for the, you know, for, for Charles and, and his, his consort to have to shuffle around pretending at the crown of England being something that is vital, virile and intact. No, it is not. It's a venal, febrile, doddery old construct, which is just being upheld by the gilted furniture. And, and by bad ideas still being promulgated by uh, fringe Satanists and midnight Masons in Whitehall. God yeah. love him. Let him get on with the deconstruction. But all I can say is that the next few short temporal years, it's all but over. Government is all but over. Um, the globalist construct of the United Nations and the World Health Organization, the World Trade Organization, and that consolidation of, of witchery that made the United Nations um, attempt at the United Nations to become world government is also a fail. It's not worked, it's failed. People would argue and say, ah, but the CBDCs are emerging and you know, global finance, yes, but the global finances and global economics and money itself was always their utility. They dreamt it up, they engineered That's it. It's right. quite right that they should be the ones to then move that into digital domain and the digital domain will simply reflect back to humanity that we never needed any control in the first place. But idiots will buy into it and the emancipated will walk away from it. Mm. So those that walk away are the meek who inherit the earth. And by the earth, we mean the countryside outside mm. of the 15 minute smart cities. So let's walk away from the 15 minute smart cities whilst we still can exactly. and inherit the earth accordingly. Wouldn't it be ironic if AI took down all the systems 
and all these bodies. I, I indeed. I think indeed. it will. I, t I, I think you may be right. You may be right about that. And uh, my audience know that I'm working with very brilliant mathematicians and scientists on algorithms which are far more advanced than anything that AI is able to construe. AI is predicated on Cartesian, Newtonian, Einsteinian bad math. So it can only ever unto itself, ultimately. No, it can't deconstruct humanity. No, it cannot destroy us. No, it can't um, send off uh, 12,000 nuclear missiles. You know, No, it can't do anything to us that we do not um, entreat it to do to us. Absolutely. We have to first engage the treaty, the convention, the covenant, or the contract. So if you want to live inside a smart city, baby, and you're entering the contract to so do, and mm -hmm. you continue to fill out the forms with block black capital letters and pay personal income tax, emphasis personal income tax, you are offering yourself up to Moloch. And that's fair dinkum. That's how it's going to play out. But conversely, if you choose to say no contract, I'm done. That was a bad play. Um, and I'm now about to inherit the earth. Then step away, walk, embrace the soil. You can still do it. And we can begin to manifest heaven on earth. Certainly, uh, I'm doing it with uh, with a very brilliant community of New Earth uh, folk in Mexico. And there's a lot of room, a lot of space for a lot of people. We're growing. So I'd, I'd advise people who want to learn more about it, go to uh, sashastone.com and uh, um, you can subscribe there and um, that'll lead you to any number of these initiatives. But uh, it's all exciting, all affirmative and all beautiful as far as I'm concerned. Absolutely. Fantastic. Well, I've got loads more questions, but I'm conscious of the time. So we'll leave it at there for now. That has been fantastic. I don't think anyone can watch this and not feel uplifted. But is there any final call to action that you'd like to leave people to with? No, I'm not. I'm not one to prescribe anything to anyone ever. Um, but I, I would cer certainly just uh, ask them to re-watch this uh, interview because you and I have touched on uh, a number of the seminal points and frankly I've given the entire uh, antidote to the status quo in in the telling of this this conversation and I know that some of it's quite wordy and gets a little bit esoteric but honestly you try to distill hyper reality down into yeah. 55 minutes it's not easy these are big questions they're important questions the answers are important um, but it, it ultimately all comes back down to the first question you asked, which was bringing us to the to the imperative of engaging relationship with self, with ourselves above all. And we have to do that if we want to be a good father, you want to be a good mother, you want to be a good teacher, you want to be a good anything, good professional, you want to be a good human, you want to be a good um, citizen, you want to be a good um, devotee, you want to be a good human. You must engage honest, undiluted, unfiltered relationship with self. It can be a brutal reckoning to look in the mirror and see oneself and go, I'm 43 years old, I'm 57 years old, I'm 72 years old, I'm 84 years old, I'm a fuck up. I have arrived at a point where I'm hitting a wall. I don't know anything. I, I have not activated the wisdom flame. My life is not... Um, turned into, you know, the idyll of my dreams, I, whatever, it doesn't matter what it is, just the reckoning, a perfect reckoning in the living now is all that's required. And then to look at oneself squarely in that mirror, and I would take a physical mirror incidentally and do it there in broad daylight, best place to do it in the middle of the day in broad daylight, and look, and then look deep into your own eyes for the first time in your life see yourself and look into your beautiful eyes no matter what your crimes no matter what your aberrations and perversions it doesn't matter just look and behold your blessed self for the first time and seriously forgive and let go that will become the reckoning that will become the the thing that even at the age of 86 and a half it doesn't matter will turn your life into a blooming or orchard and that's what you want all of us want now to really reach resolution and remedy and fulmination and 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 resonance and that can be had by anyone no matter where you are but it takes brutal brutal 
honesty in one perfect living moment in the now and everything will change everything will change love it thank you so much sasha that has been absolutely brilliant i'll be listening to it again and i hope everyone's enjoyed it and i hope we can do this again soon thank you sasha thank you so much for taking the time to listen and if you feel inspired please do share with your friends and family my goal is to inspire as many people as i can to live their best lives to stay curious and to raise their consciousness and that of the collective. So to do this, I need to reach as many people as possible and this needs your help. If you feel drawn, would you be willing to share your favorite episode with five different people? This helps us spread the word and also helps me encourage some exciting new guests to take part in this podcast. If you feel drawn to do that, I will be very, very grateful. All the links and discount codes where applicable for all the products that I support are on my two websites, katherineedwards.life and katherineedwardsacademy.com. All of the products are personally tried and tested by me, my family and my clients. And finally, please do press the follow or subscribe button, depending which platform you're listening on. And above all, stay curious and stay free.